There's only one infallible, inerrant thing that will be said this morning, and it's what we're about to read. And then we will, of course, seek to be true to what is read. But this is the word of the Lord. Philippians 4, I'm going to read starting in verse 10 through verse 13. This is God's word. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would come and bless the reading of your word. I pray that it would have its intended effect in our lives, and I pray that we would not be able to look away from this word unchanged by what it says. Pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 The secret of contentment. I've, I think I've mentioned before uh, how much I love watching various shows and documentaries. And one of the shows and themes of human nature that has always been fascinating to me is the, uh, the, the idea of greed and the kind of things that people do out of that motivation of greed. There's shows like uh, American Greed, which documents all the ways that people commit financial crimes and, and rip each other off, and then the trouble that that causes for themselves as their schemes collapse around them. And you know, there's also shows like Shark Tank, uh, which is... Uh, a little bit more subtle in the way that you see greed and that it's at least legal the, the ways that people seek to pursue the American dream. So much of that motivated by greed. I, I want us to think about a category this morning of application as we read this uh, passage on contentment. Uh, it, Paul is talking in a way about contentment, and, and there's an immediate application with regards to just trusting God in every circumstance. But, but as I was reading this, I think there's also an application in the realm of materialism and, and the desires that are on our hearts and, and the things that, that make us uh, happy. And I, I just, I'm presenting that as an opportunity in, in both of those different directions as, as we jump in uh, to this um, as, as a category of application, both trusting the Lord, let's allow God to do some work in our hearts as we, as we look at what Paul calls his secret of contentment. The, the passage that I just read is, is one in which Paul is, it's so, it's so familiar. I, I, I'm sure as I read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is something that 
it's not an unfamiliar passage. It's recognizable. This is the, this is the verse that Tim Tebow wore on, on his eye black on the cover of Sports Illustrated as he said, you know, I, I can run through linebackers because Christ strengthens me. And, and maybe you've heard it used in other, other contexts as well. Uh, she's not here, but, but when uh, Rebecca was in high school, um, th- this is the verse that she put on her flyers when she was trying to get elected as her high school chaplain. Uh, th- this is the verse. She, she was telling her, her classmates that if they could draw on the strength of the Lord, to, that he could enable the, her the, to be elected chaplain uh, through Christ who strengthens her. I, I, I don't know if you uh, can think of different ways that this verse has, has been used. It's, it's so familiar that I think sometimes it can lose some of its impact as we kind of separate it from the, the context and, and, the, and the meaning of, uh, in the context of, of this letter of Philippians in general and, and Philippians chapter 4 uh, specifically. In, in this context, Paul is writing this letter from, from prison. And, and he's writing to encourage the church. And in chapter 4 specifically, he, he makes this statement that, that the Lord is at hand. And, and knowing that God is present for Paul meant that, that we don't have to be anxious about anything. And, and that's what he had just said a few verses before. Do not be anxious about anything. And then it, it led into some instructions on, on guarding our thoughts and forsaking anxious thoughts and replacing them with thoughts about things that were pure and lovely and honorable and praiseworthy. Think about these things as what we're encouraged to do. And, and then after a brief moment of, of mentioning this gift that he'd received from them, even in that, he, he clarified that he wasn't thankful for the gifts just because he had some material need alone. He, he was thankful for the gift because of, of what that gift represented in terms of their care for him and their generosity. And, and now he's pulling all of these ideas together and kind of tie, tying it up in a, in a nice summary for us. One final instruction, is, as it were, and he said, Here, here's what I'm saying. I, I have learned a secret, he calls it, a secret of success in the Christian life it is this idea of contentment. I don't know if the graphic is up there, but if, if you see on the graphic, there's, there's that small key. It, it contains this idea that the, the, this is a key to the Christian life that, that, that Paul is uh, talking about. And, and the key that he was going to share with them was not a key that was going to unlock the physical chains that he had around his arms and wrists as he, as he was under house arrest. But this key was uh, a secret which gave him peace even when he was in those chains. The, the, the key was, that was being unlocked was the, the, the unlocking of the, the chains of enslavement, of, of, of all the entrapments of pursuing the, the wealth and, and, and things of this world. It, this was a, a key that, that Paul treasured and was letting them in on, this secret of contentment. It, it is a rare, valuable thing for us to have 
the ability by the power of Christ to be content in every circumstance. This is a treasure to Paul. It's a secret. It's something that he valued. I mean, I mean, think of how our lives would be different if we had this peace in every circumstance through the strength of Jesus Christ. This is the offer that, that is being made to us in, in our passage this morning. The offer that if we trust in God, we can be content and we can have a contentment that transcends every circumstance because it comes through the strength of the Son of God himself. It's not our own strength. It's not because we convince ourselves everything's going to be fine. It says it comes through him who strengthens us that this offer is made. So we're gonna look at this offer and then we're gonna look at who is offering it as our outline this morning. So, so the offer quite simply is peace in all circumstances. This is an appealing offer. Perhaps when you read the prior verses about being anxious about nothing, did that seem like an impossible standard? Like, really, Paul, like, be anxious for nothing? I mean, how could you say that? There's so much to be anxious about. Uh, in in the, the powerful message that, that we heard last week, you know, Benny just did a great job saying, you know, sometimes you, you can you become so anxious about things and, and then you become anxious about your anxiety. You know, when you realize that you're anxious, that, that perpetuates the anxiety. It's hard to be anxious about nothing. And, and it's, it's no wonder that Paul calls this a secret because a secret of contentment, someone who can be at peace in every circumstance truly has unlocked a, a treasure. And if it seems impossible, I, I think that it's, it's, you're actually not too far from the truth. It is actually impossible in ourselves for us to reach this standard. So we're not talking about like a, a, a Christian cheat code where we could somehow arrive at some supernatural ability, you know, because we've reached some super Christian status. The, the offer is being made here. Paul calls it something he learned. This was an acquired uh, skill for him. C contentment is not something that's naturally occurring in our hearts. There, there's twice where he says in this passage in consecutive verses, I have learned the secret of being content. I've, I've learned this uh, over the course of his life experience. He, he learned how to face every circumstance while trusting God. Paul, Paul experienced, when you just go through the list of things that he walked through, I mean, th think about his life experience. The, the, there are valuable lessons that he learned through his suffering, through his experience. The, this wasn't something that just happened overnight. It, it, this was the end, end result. And, and as he kind of summarizes his life experience, one of the things that he looks at the Lord doing in his heart through those experience was giving him this treasure of contentment. And, and I, I find it encouraging that Paul had this experience at the end of his life. For somebody who suffered so much to be able to take stock of all that he went through. I mean, you, you, count, you count the sufferings of, of Paul. He, he being 
the, the hardships, the persecution, being physically beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned and forsaken by friends, and you can, you can go down that list. And he, he, did, he didn't arrive through that upset and angry and bitter at everybody. He, he didn't arrive through that asking God why all this stuff happened. And he, he arrived describing a secret and a treasure that those things produced in him. When he encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus and was blinded, uh, God told Ananias that he was going to show Paul that he would be his chosen instrument, uh, is the language that's used there, to testify before Gentiles and kings and uh, in all of Israel. But, but he also told him, he was also going to show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. That was one thing that, that, that God sent Ananias to instruct Paul in, is this life of serving God was going to involve suffering. And although we don't ourselves probably receive quite that dramatic experience when we come to know the Lord, what was true for Paul is true for us, is the things that we go through in life as we live in this world, they, they produce something in us. And it's this idea, this secret, this treasure of contentment. As an old author, Jeremiah Burroughs describes in a book where he calls it the rare jewel of Christian contentment. And he describes it as that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise fatherly disposal in every condition. I, I love that idea that there's just, a, there's just an inward quietness that says to the Lord, Lord, whatever you have for me is what I want. That, that's the idea. That, that's the rare jewel of Christian contentment. And I, I remember being a, a teenager going on some uh, mission trips and, and just seeing places that don't have as much a, as we have. And, and there was one particular trip to, to Mexico that I remember going on and, and just, just seeing the, the poverty. And, and you know, this, this particular verse was one of those verses that just becomes like, in, like ingrained in your mind and, and that application uh, where it talks about being content in every circumstance. There, there was later a trip that we took to Haiti where we, we, we saw the overwhelming uh, poverty. And, and, and in, when you come back home from a place like that, you're almost nauseated by, by the just gaudy wealth that, that you have, that, uh, that you don't even realize you have when, when, when you're living in it. And, and this verse is is not just a, a, a verse that speaks to people in, in those situations. That, that, that's the idea of this verse, and the context of it, of it matters. We can't, we can't separate this, I can do all things from, through Christ who strengthens me, from, from the previous verse uh, about being content in every situation. The ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens us is, is not just a verse to remember when, when you're in a, uh, in, a, in a football game and it, 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 there's stadiums cheering you on. This is a verse doing all things through Christ who strengthens you 
is a verse to remember when, when you just don't, don't have what you want in life. And you're, and you're struggling with, with what God is doing and how he's orchestrating things. And, and you're, as Paul says, being, being brought low and learning how to be brought low. That, that's the all things that Christ is talking about doing through him who strengthens us. Paul is mentioning the, the full range of the human experience of the, of the mountaintops and the valleys. Being abounding and brought low, prosperity and poverty, all of these things we can embrace through the strength of Christ in us. I noticed when I, when I read this, the, the beautiful symmetry that Paul describes his life with. The, the language of this passage is very balanced and symmetrical. Paul speaks of being brought low and abounding, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's, it's all very balanced and, and noteworthy to me because of how he describes his life in such a balanced way. When you actually look at Paul's life, his life wasn't that balanced. I, I read this and I thought if I could ask Paul a question, the question would be, Paul, like, when, when did you face plenty? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like, you look at the, like, when was he abounding? He, you know, he goes from being a persecutor of the church and, and to the, this zealot g guy that's, like, killing Christians. And, 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 that, and then he's in, you know, obscurity for 14 years. And, and then he goes on missionary trips and just starts, you know, being persecuted for, you know, what he believes. And I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see all of the abounding that he's talking about. I, I don't see all of the prosperity that, that he learned, I, I guess. I, let's go back to this uh, uh, guy, Jeremiah Burroughs. I think this quote will be up on the screen. And, and he talks about, about this idea of contentment and the perspective that it gives us. He says, now this is a mystery to a carnal heart. They can see no such thing. Perhaps they think God loves them when he prospers them and makes them rich, but they think that God loves them not when he afflicts them. That is the mystery, the, the, the secret in the words of Paul. But, but grace instructs men in that mystery. Grace enables men to see love in the very frown of God's face and so come to receive contentment. One of the fruits of Paul's contentment is seen in his ability to make sense out of the chaos of his life and to describe his life with more symmetry than it probably felt like it had to him in those moments. As an application of uh, our battle with anxiety. One, one of the things that anxiety produces in me, and I don't know if you can relate to this, is that the feeling that everything's spinning wildly out of control. Like there's, there's no, like, it, you're almost like in a car, you're spinning down the road, you, you just know you're going to hit something at some point. You, you feel out of control. That, that's what produces anxiety, and that's the fundamental lie that, that we can believe is that our lives are out of control, and we're just going towards some inevitable collision or irreversible damage. 
And, and the truth is that nothing is outside of God's control. That, that's the idea the, that we serve a sovereign God who is in control, even when it doesn't feel like things are in control. And, and learning through this gift of contentment to, to see his design in the apparent chaos of our lives is the, the treasure that Paul learned. And it, it seems chaotic, but again, we're back to that statement that he said, the Lord is at hand and we can trust him whether we're facing pleasant circumstances or, or the, the converse. This is, this is the fruit that is produced through this gift of contentment. And one of the, the phrases that, that jumped out at me as I read this is this phrase where he talks about the secret of facing plenty. I, I don't know if, if that caught you as I read it, where he talks about the secret, he had to learn how to face plenty. And my, my first thought again is like, why is that so hard? Why, like, why is he saying that he had to learn how to face prosperity? Yeah, I, I think of prosperity is something that you don't have to learn how to face. You just, you want it, you, you desire it. Why, why, why do we have to learn how to face prosperity? I, I, think, I think that's part of this secret as well, is that there, there, there are tests even in prosperity. It's not just adversity that tests us. It's, it's not just adversity that reveals our character. It's not just adversity that is a challenge for us. And there's not just spiritual perils when we're in times of adversity. There are spiritual perils in times of prosperity as well. I mean, if you think that adversity is the only test, you're, you're, you're missing part of what Paul is saying here, is that there, there, are, there is danger in times of, of prosperity as well. There was an old uh, author, uh, Charles Swindle, Chuck Swindle, is, as he's called. He, he wrote this book back in 1983 called Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life. And, and he said this, he said, precious few are those who can live in the lap of luxury, who can keep their moral, spiritual, and financial equilibrium while balancing on the elevated tightrope of success. It's ironic that most of us can handle a sudden demotion much better than a sizable promotion. Haven't you seen that in your life where it's when things are going poorly that you're most pursuing the Lord, and then things start going well, and you forget about Him. Uh, do you only pray, like I do so much, when things are going bad? When things are going great, it's like, all right, thank you, Lord, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I got it from here. That's the spiritual condition that Paul is talking about. He had to learn how to go through both of those kinds of situations. He had to learn by the power of God and this gift of contentment how to handle both adversity and prosperity. Mr. Swindle puts it this way. He says, real integrity stays in place whether the test in adversity or prosperity. Both of those things are tests of our integrity and how we're going to live, whether we're going to cultivate this gift of 
contentment. We need God just as much when things are going well as we need him when things are going poorly. And that's part of the secret that Paul is talking about. It's every circumstance. Truly abounding is something that we can only do as we cultivate this gift of contentment. And this gift flows, as it says, from the strength of Christ himself. So with this understanding, we read our famous verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. One of the risks of a verse like this that's so familiar and and we're aware of some of the ways that it's misapplied is that we, we can't be so concerned about how it's misapplied that we actually miss the actual meeting and the power that is there for us. It's uh, the classic don't throw the baby out with the bathwater illustration. We're, we're called to rightly handle the word of truth. So, so what is it that Paul is talking about here? What, what, what are the things that he is talking about doing? And, and in whose strength are we supposed to do those things? This is not a promise that we're going to run for a touchdown through the strength of Jesus Christ in us. Well, but what is the promise for us here? What is the, the promise? It is a promise of divine strength to do everything that God puts in your life to do. None of this is possible apart from his strength. The promise is that we're not left to our own strength. So there's, there's two sides of this coin here, the Philippians 4.13 coin. One is this positive assertion that there's no limit to the range of activities that, that we can accomplish as we draw on the strength of Jesus Christ. That, that's the, the positive sense. On, on the negative sense, there, there's some warnings here for us about defeatism and self-sufficiency as well. So positively, all, all things are subjected to the strength of Jesus Christ and his power flowing through us. In context, life comes at you. Well, the promise of this verse is it doesn't matter what life throws at you. Christ's strength is sufficient for that. Paul has already been listing some of these things, adversity, prosperity, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Christ is with you and his strength is sufficient. You can handle it, not because you can handle it, but because Christ is with you and in you and strengthening you. So if you're tempted by either of these tests of adversity or prosperity, you can overcome that temptation because you're not left to your own strength. You have Christ in you, with you, sustaining you and strengthening you. What is a a, a match for for the strength of the eternal Son of God? Well, what, what can you say is too much for him? Well, there's nothing. There's nothing too much for him. That is the strength that we can draw on. And that's why Paul, even while he's in prison, is able to make these boasts, which while the service seem kind of ridiculously confident that there's nothing he can't do. Really, Paul, can you get out of jail? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something deeper than that. He can face these circumstances through Christ who strengthens him. 
you know, we kind of flip it around, the, the negative side of these coin and, and some of the warnings that there are for us. Look, there, there should be no room for this defeatist mentality or, or kind of that, that wrong self-doubt where we can kind of, kind of just feel like, you know, I don't even know if it's worth it to try to, to do that. If God is calling us to do something and, and we just back down from obeying him because you know, it's probably not going to work out and probably not going to produce fruit and, and, and why even follow the Lord in that because I'm just going to mess up or, you know, those, those doubts that we deal with. There, there's no room for that in, in light of this passage that everything God has called us to do, he gives us the strength to do. So, so let's obey him and let's do these things. Not self-confident, but confident in Christ. When we have a chance to share our faith, I mean, what kind of thoughts go in your mind? Do you have to, well, it's probably not going to go well, or do you think, I can do this through Christ who strengthens me? When, when God challenges you to do something, that, that should be where your mind goes. There's also a warning here against self-sufficiency. So we have like the, the warning against self-doubt because we're drawing our strength from Christ and there is an infinite degree of strength that we have. But we also need to understand that it is Christ's strength that we're drawing. It is not our strength that we're called to live in. So th this passage both removes self-doubt, but also kind of a, a prideful self-confidence too. It, it protects us against that. All of Paul's confidence was not because he was some great apostle. All of Paul's confidence was because of Jesus Christ in him, strengthening him. That's where he drew his strength. There's no room to boast in the flesh. We are weak. We are diminished. We are empty. We are frail. We do have nothing. So those feelings are not inaccurate. Those feelings are true, but they're not the whole picture. We can be confident, but not self-confident humble and bold because of who we are serving and whose strength we are drawing. Paul's confidence in this strength caused him to, you see it in, throughout the whole letter. Philippians is a very confident letter. I mean, from, from the very start, he's celebrating what God is doing in them. From the very start, he's talking about the advancement of the gospel. He, he's giving that glass half full perspective of their sanctification that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. He's celebrating the fact that even though a, a lot of these gospel ministers don't have good motives, that you know, the word of God is going forth anyway, and he's celebrating that. He's, he's celebrating the fact that their sufferings are producing uh, God's good fruit in them. I mean, th this is a very confident letter from a, a guy who, who's in jail and has no reason for self-confidence. His confidence wasn't in the fact that, well, his ministry was going forward. His confidence was in the fact that the work of Christ was going forward and that that could not be stopped by any circumstance, any degree of human weakness in the people involved. This is the strength that Paul is drawing towards the end 
of his life. And, and this is what is maintaining his perspective as he looks forward towards that ultimate goal that he's been describing, where they're going to see the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Savior himself. This is the confidence which is producing strength, which is sustaining him. This is why he can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, because he knows that that strength comes from a Savior who, although he died, did not stay in the grave, but rose again and is now in heaven, seated next to the Father, given the name that is above every name. Paul is drawing his strength from the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And it's causing him to celebrate that that risen Savior's purposes will never be stopped. That partnership that they have in the gospel is a partnership which is going to be guaranteed its success. You can't stop the strength of Jesus Christ. You can't stop the mission of Jesus Christ. You can't stop the purposes of Jesus Christ from advancing in the world. So whatever life throws at us, we know that it is from the hand of God. It is part of the purposes and plans of God to glorify the name of Jesus Christ, to, to draw praise from our hearts to that name that is above every name, so that it's not just exalted in heaven, but it's exalted through our tongues, regardless of what is going on in our lives. All of this from the first to last is initiated and sustained by the risen Jesus Christ, whose strength is in us fully sufficient to overcome all of our doubts, fears, anxieties. And as it pertains to the application of greed and materialism, the, the gift of contentment is a gift that says, in comparison with Jesus Christ himself, what, what does this world even have to offer us? Well, what, what in this world could compare these trivial things compared to the eternal glory of the Son of God? Can, can you find room in your heart for that strength and that perfect sufficiency, even though we are in ourselves not sufficient? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Josiah, if you can come back up and to the keyboard, we're going to, and, and our singers as well, we're going we're to sing a song of response. And I'm going to pray in a minute that the Lord would take this word and apply it in a way that only, only the Holy Spirit can. So just thinking through those two categories of trusting God in every circumstance and just the, the things of this world which try to pull us away from that perspective of contentment. Let's ask the Lord to identify in, in either of those or, or if there's another category as well where he wants to be at work challenging us, encouraging us, and strengthening us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to take this word as it has been preached and 
plant it deeply in the soil of our heart so that your fruit can be produced. Lord, this is a rare jewel, a treasure that has been described of contentment. Lord, I confess not being content. I confess all of the things that can so easily cause the discontent in the form of complaining and anxiety, worrying, just a general cynicism that can be there about life and circumstances. Lord, Lord, you, you know my heart and, and you know where, where, where I need your help. Lord, thank you for this gift and the example of Paul and what he went through and, and how you preserved that in your word. Lord, I, I pray that that jewel, that gift would, would be something that is cultivated in, in my heart so that I can have this perspective that regardless of what you do, I trust you. Regardless of whether there's a mountaintop or valley experience, I, 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 I can walk in, in confidence and boldness and peace because I know you're walking with me. Lord, do this in, in my heart. Do this in, in our hearts that are gathered here this morning. Allow us to truly understand the secret drawing on the strength of Christ for the glory of Jesus Christ.